Well, I appreciate all the good singing. Um, Michael was confused because I printed 1 Timothy instead of 2 Timothy. But that passage in 1 Timothy reminds us that we are the ground and pillar of truth. And that's a good foundation for what I want to talk about today. But the passage that I was supposed to put in there is 2 Timothy 3. Um, which is a little different and talks specifically um, about the Word of God. And it says, um, beginning in verse 14, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which is the Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through Christ Jesus our Lord, and then it goes on to say, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Now, if you've been in Sunday school the last uh, three or four weeks, we've sort of been talking about this very thing, the word of God, the Bible and the scriptures and how they um, are our only um, rule for, for faith and life. But what I want to do um, today, since next weekend is the weekend that the, the church celebrates Reformation Sunday, I wanted to start, I've done these before, so it may be familiar to you, I hope it will be familiar to you, but I want to talk about something known as the, the solas of the faith, the solas of the faith, and um, these come to us out of the Reformation, which um, you may remember, we talk about it a lot, but it's how we got to where we are. It's why we have denominations. It's why we're not all Catholic, because um, up until the Reformation, there was only one recognized church, and it was Catholic. And it was the word Catholic doesn't didn't mean what we have grown to know it to mean. It wasn't Roman Catholic. It was Catholic um, from the beginning, meaning whole or entire. In fact, uh, when we do our um, when we do our historical confession, there's a point in there where I change the word. It usually says, "I believe in the Holy Catholic Church," and I change it to "universal," which doesn't necessarily mean what I want it to mean. But I don't want people to be confused and wondering what is what do you mean by a Catholic Church? Um, it, that's what it means simply, whole. And so I use the term "universal" to refer to the entire body of true church that is historically grounded in the scriptures. And so the reformers didn't come up with the solace that I'm about to talk to you about. Sola just a Latin word that means by itself, single, right? And not solo, but sola. And it um, it includes it means alone. So it means scripture alone. Because remember what was at stake in the Reformation, the battle was really over what the then Roman Catholic Church was teaching about how people are saved and what those who were at that time in the Catholic Church but eventually came out of it were disputing was the Catholic Church's claim of a lot of things, but mainly how man is justified before God. How does a man become a Christian? How do you get saved? And we've been spending the last three or four weeks trying to point out that obviously we are saved because of what Jesus did and who he is. Um, and that's what the reformers pointed out. 
and their foundation for that was, uh, even though they didn't come up with this, these little five things I'm about to tell you, they did teach these five things, and it was later put together so we could remember it. But one, uh, they believe, first of all, whatever we believe about salvation has to come solely from the Scripture alone. We're not going to take any other books, not any other books that the Catholic Church believes in, that the Mormon Church believes in, that Jehovah's Witness Church believes in. None of those other books count only Scripture alone. And that's, that carries us all the way back to at least the Reformation. Okay? So um, that was their first one. And we're going to talk about that one today. Sola Scriptura. It comes from the Bible alone. The 66 books that were recognized then and that were really recognized early in church history in the first century even. The 66 books that count and that we use as the Bible. That's the only rule of faith and standard. So whatever we believe about salvation is going to come from the Bible alone. We're going to talk about that today. Um, they also be, they also believed that salvation um, came from the Bible's teaching about who Jesus is. So Jesus alone. Salvation comes to us from the Scriptures alone. We're taught about it in the Scriptures alone. And it comes to us by grace alone, which is another one, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So all those are solas. Scriptures alone teach us about salvation in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. And finally, in all this brings glory to God alone. So man is in no way glorified through this. Only um, God gets the glory from this truth. And so today, I'm going to do the best I can to teach through these first two, sola scriptura and sola fide, which is uh, faith alone. Okay? So I hope you've at least, if you've been with me for several years, I've done this several times, so, and, and I also know uh, you probably don't remember any of it except for it just sounds familiar, and that's okay. I have notes, so I can cheat. But anyways, in our confession that we use, our 1689 confession, we read this, the Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. So again, this separates us from a large portion of the world's religions in that we do not accept any other teaching other than the Scripture. And again, Michael pointed this out in Sunday school, and I will point it out again. Our confession is not the Bible. It is not infallible. It can be mistaken, mistake-ridden. We don't believe it is, but it can be because it's written by men, not inspired by God like the Bible. So don't make a mistake that, well, you're saying it's the Bible alone, but you have a confession. The confession sums up what we believe about the Bible. Plain and simple. And if we find there's an error in the confession, we'll correct it. We don't believe that there's an error in the Bible, okay? So that's the, that's the difference. So the Bible, according to our confession, because we believe this is a great way to put it, is the supreme judge by which all religious controversies are to be settled and all decrees of councils, opinions of ancient writers, human doctrines, and individual thinkers are to be examined and can be none other than the Holy Scriptures delivered by the Spirit in the verdict of Scripture our faith is finally determined. So when we say sola scriptura, and when that was a, one of the battle cries of the Reformation to the Catholic Church, hey, it's the Bible alone that determines our faith. It's not the Bible plus the Pope and however the church interprets those two or how those two together interpret the Bible. No, the Bible alone is our determination for everything faith about our faith everything relating to church everything relating to doctrine everything relating to worship teaching missions 
discipleship, outreach, children's ministry, what we sing, what we believe about marriage, what we believe about sexuality, justice, everything, our politics, everything we believe is to be finally determined by Scripture, okay? That's why we don't back up in a lot of political areas because not just because we're American and we're Southern and we're conservative, but we trace all that back to to, to our politics back to Scripture, okay? I hope you do. I mean, that's why we believe the way we believe, all right? And um, that's very important. We can discuss it. We can analyze it. We can break it down. We can even consider how others do believe and how these matters of faith have been dealt with. But at the end, when the dust is settled, whatever we believe must be determined by our exegesis of Scripture, right? And there may be a little bit of disagreement even within this body, on some of the matters of scripture but we still hold to what we're going to determine to believe is going to come from the Bible and in the main areas of faith we're going to agree we, we have to agree in order to be considered orthodox right and that's something that the world and I'm talking about this morning a little bit something that not just the world but the church has gotten so far away from orthodoxy and they don't even care we live in a generation where very few people want to consider what the church has always believed for 2,000 years. We think it's okay to separate from that like we have some kind of uh, new angle or something that the old, the old ways don't matter. And they do. And again, we believe that's what the Reformation did. The Reformation said, all right, for about uh, way too many years, since about the first century, we've went off course. We've got to pull this thing back in. The church has become something unrecognizable to the scriptures. And so that's what they tried to do. Now, again, since then, we went back off and skewed again. And every now and then, uh, we need recorrection. Or we need recorrecting. We need to be put back on course. And the only way to do that is to have a solid, objective foundation. And we believe that's the scripture, right? The Bible is objective. It, is, it says what it says. It is the Word of God. And we have to follow it. Because we believe it to be the Word of God. Um, so what do we mean specifically when we say sola scriptura? Is that the church together with its teachers down through the ages is to submit her faith and practice to the authority of Scripture and nothing else, okay? Nothing else. So again, when I say sola scriptura, I don't mean solo scriptura. Like, uh, we can't consider church history, and we can't consider the teaching of our church fathers. If we do that, we sort of get back into the place that the church had gotten to in by the time the Reformation came along, where they were in the era of not going back to the original first church and seeing what they believed and taught. They had come up with their own thing through the years. And of course, if you know much about the church during the Reformation, <clears throat> the Roman Catholic Church, it was incredibly corrupt. And it was a money-making machine. And it was a way to abuse people and take advantage of people, all the way down to even the selling of indulgences. They'd gotten so far away from these other solas by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, that they were teaching, hey, if your mama died and you're not sure and you think she might be in hell, give us enough money and we'll get her out. 
Maybe she's in purgatory. That's another thing that was invented, not biblical. And they were teaching people, hey, if you're not sure if your your loved one wasn't, uh, you know, really solidly Christian, maybe you don't know where they are. If they're in purgatory, you think they are. We'll take your money and we'll get them. Out. We got a way to get them out. And I mean, that's a that's a very um, um, abbreviated view of that uh, teaching. But it was that crazy. I mean, it was that wild that. That's what the church had become. And it was, it was a profitable business. And people didn't have the scriptures for themselves. One of the things that um, kick-started the Reformation, of course, was the printing press. And suddenly, common people were able to take the Bible and say, well, wait a minute, that's not what, that's not what the Pope said this said. This said something different. That's not what the church has been teaching me. And so that's why, really, the printing press um, was by far... One of the one of the greatest uh, igniters of the Reformation, because people suddenly could take the Bible and read it for themselves, and um, it's kind of sad. And, and, and this is uh, this is not uh, throwing rocks, but it's kind of sad that we've gotten back to a place now where a lot of the church don't really care what the Bible says. We have them and we can read them, but we just assume somebody tell us what it says rather than read it for ourselves. So we have to be careful to know what it means. Um. So, uh, taking scripture alone and only the scripture for our foundation is important, but we need to go back and see how did the church interpret these things. It's very important. I mean, I still, whenever I'm trying to ready myself to teach or I'm just studying doctrines in the scripture, one of the things I want to do is find some of the oldest people I can find to read behind. You know, I try to go back to the Puritans. I don't. I don't want to know what the, the necessarily the common the modern day uh, Bible students have to say. I want to know what the if I can find something from Augustine or something from uh, some of the Puritans. I want to know how are they interpreting these things. I don't want to be disconnected from that. It's not my authority, but I I think it's important to stay connected to it. If that makes sense, right? We want to know why. I mean, we we do that with American history, right? We're all saying, hey, this is not what our founding fathers had in mind, is it? Let's go back and see, what, what, why did they give us this? They had something in mind besides where we at, surely. In fact, clearly, they did not have a gigantic uh, government that overlords, uh, sees over all of its people and, uh, you know, a nanny state, as some people refer to it. And so, if we're willing to do that with the government, we surely need to do that with the church. We need to be willing to go back and say, what on earth... How did we get to where we are? Are we where we need to be? Let's correct what's wrong and try to get back. And the only way we can do that is to have a foundation. This is our foundation. We've got to have a solid, objective foundation. It's not the church, but how did the church that was considered orthodox believe? And those things are important because uh, a proper understanding of this doctrine will not lead us into individualistic sort of me and my Bible and uh, whatever I believe about God myself is, is good enough because um, we need to know what's been taught over the years. I think it was Charles Spurgeon said something like, he who refuses to use the minds, the great minds that God has assembled throughout the centuries is, is a pretty much a weak-minded man. He's a fool to think that his mind is so much better than anybody that's come before him. And so uh, we've, got to, we've got to stay connected in the best way, somebody said, to guard a true interpretation of the scriptures 
and this is what the reformers taught, was neither to naively embrace the infallibility of tradition or the infallibility of the individual, but to recognize the communal interpretation of Scripture. The best way to ensure faithfulness to the text is to read it together, not only with the church of our time and place, but the wider communion of the saints down through the ages. See, I think that's, that's much safer. I mean, there's, it's more safe for us to study the Bible together than just one single person say, I'm going to read the Bible and determine what it means by myself, and then that's what it's going to be. You've got to, we need, we're, the church is supposed to be together for a reason. Solo scripture, or people interpreting by themselves, apart from the history of the church, has led to as much heresy as the Roman Catholic Church was in the day the Reformation started. We have movements like the Campbellites or the Plymouth Brethren or the Restoration Movement, which would include uh, a lot of so-called churches like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness I've already mentioned. Uh, a lot of these places come out of this idea of, oh, this one man's got a different view of the Bible and now he's made a new religion that everybody follows. Or this one lady has got this vision from God. And by the way, again, this is why I absolutely uh, do not um, hold to any kind of charismatic belief that God's still speaking to people individually and giving them things that are on equal par with the Scripture. Because you come up with all kinds of stuff. I mean, this God told me mentality is frightening. Because what God has told us, he is completely and perfectly preserved in the Bible, and that's what we need to study and know if we want to know about God. Because I don't know about you, but you know, most of the things that I feel determines on how I feel. So I might be real, I might gain some great insight on some days about God um, just by the way I feel, and other days I could care less because I'm not very happy, I'm angry, somebody's rubbed me the wrong way. And if, if, if I don't have a, an objective standard to go back to, then I'm going to come up with some crazy view of God that nobody else needs to hear about. And that's what happens a lot of times. We need to tie back to, well, is what you see going on, was it going on in the first century? Is this the kind of church that Jesus was building? Is this really what he meant? Well, a good way, 2,000 years of history is a good way to kind of test it, right? So that's kind of what this doctrine teaches. And I, I gave you that uh, passage um, this is what kind of people we need to be. People who check what's being taught against the scripture. I mean, I love when any of our folks uh, come to me and say, hey, I, I want to talk about this or I don't understand this or explain this better. That's a great thing because it proves that we're thinking and that you're wanting to make sure that this is correct according to the Bible. And that's important. I don't want to be a part of a fellowship where the person teaching is untouchable or unquestionable or, or, or not allowed to be questioned. I think that's a, again, that's where the church had gotten to why we need a reformation. You weren't allowed to question the church's teaching. You weren't allowed to question the Pope. And you, and some of that's still alive and well today. The Pope can say anything. And some people won't question it at all. Some people, are, no matter how crazy it is. And it needs to be questioned. And again, if you don't believe that the Bible is the only Rule, uh, rule of faith in the soul uh, the soul standard of what we believe then, then you probably are going to be susceptible to believe anything and that's a frightening place to be 
So I would tell you this. If you don't believe that the Bible is the word of God and the 66 books we have are a complete revelation of God, before you do anything else, just pray that God will make that real to you and that you will be one who believes the Bible because you need to believe that. If you don't, then something else is going to be your standard and who knows what that will be. It might be yourself and that's kind of scary if you're like me. I don't want me to be my standard because again, I'm, you know, emotionally, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a roller coaster a lot of times. Uh, I try not to show that, but I'm like everybody else. Some days I don't know what's going on around me. Some days I'm happy. Some days I'm joyful. Some days if I had a chance, I'd punch somebody in the face. I mean, you know, it's just, I don't want that to be my standard. I want to be able to have something to come back to and say, okay, no, you shouldn't punch people in the face because that's not what you're called to do. You should be able to uh, be a man of peace and a person of peace and a person of discernment and so forth, the things that the scriptures teach us about. But mainly, again, uh, we, we want to know um, how do I get saved? How do I know I'm going to be with God? And you want something besides individual preferences to be a, the standard. And the good news is, of course, we've got something uh, that teaches us that clearly. The Word of God from the beginning to end, I believe, teaches us that God was in Christ reconciling the world for himself. And your hope is not your feelings, uh, not your um, preferences, not somebody else's preferences. Your hope is that God himself came in like we read about a while ago, did not charge your sin to you, but rather gave you Christ's righteousness. For all who believe, there's salvation. And that's the beautiful picture. And you don't need to wait around until something better comes along. That is the best. I love what that song says we, we sang earlier, uh, all of you stricken by the fall. If you're waiting until you're better, you'll never come at all. So you can't wait till you're better. The time to call out to God and be saved is when you realize that you're sinful and that your sin will cause you not to be saved. Then turn and believe in Christ. Know that salvation has been paid for you through Jesus. And you're not going to find every other... We, we talked about this this morning. Every other be belief system, religion, whatever you want to call it, in the whole world that's ever been invented will tell you you've got to do stuff. But biblical, historic Christianity will tell you that God has already done everything that needs to be done. You can't be better. You can't do good. You can't earn it. You can't get out of it later. In fact, it is appointed man once died in judgment. There is no purgatory. There is hell awaiting those who do not believe in Christ. But there is great joy beyond measure to those who believe. And that's the gospel message. And it's contained in Scripture very clearly. So a lot of these, even these doctrines that I like to teach about, these things I've been teaching about for the last several weeks, that for whatever reason I love those things, everybody don't. But those things, though they're important and they're tied to the gospel, they're not the gospel. The thing that everybody needs to hear is that God made a way for you to be saved. It's through Jesus Christ. Believe in him, turn from your sin, and you'll be saved. Those are the things that matter, and those are the things that are contained in the Scripture. In fact, that's the one thing that's contained in the Scripture. So the dangers of not holding, I've already mentioned, the dangers of not holding to a view of sola scriptura or the Bible alone are numerous. But just some of them. 
would be this. Biblical Christianity will be lost and replaced by whatever everybody wants it to be. And look, I think it's important to point this out maybe at this time. A lot of people like to demonize denominationalism. They'll say, well, if the Bible's true, we wouldn't have all these denominations. Okay, and some people hate denominations. But here's the thing. If there wasn't any denominations, we'd all still be Catholic. So I'm, glad, I'm grateful for the Reformation and the opportunity to look at the Bible and through the lens of church history, try to interpret what the scriptures say, and I don't have to believe what I'm being told by somebody that's false. Now, denominationalism has gotten out of hand because sometimes it's just like we don't, we don't like some people over there. We're going to go start a new church and do something different. But the fact that there's denominations, I, I'm thankful for because I don't have to go to the Catholic Church. I can find where I believe is teaching the Scripture and only the Scripture and according to the historical orthodox view of the Scripture, and I can worship there, right? So that's a good thing. It's not always bad. But if we lose this, biblical Christianity could be replaced, and it has been a lot of times, with something that people have just made up out of the blue. And therefore, evangelicalism, being a Christian, will become meaningless because everybody can be one. And, and, and honestly, that's kind of where we are. I mean, I joke about this sometimes, but it's almost true. Very few times in my life I ever met anybody who didn't think they were a Christian. Uh, everybody believes they are. Unless you run into occasionally a true atheist or somebody who's really agnostic, somebody who's really thought these things through and has decided for whatever reason there is no God. But for the most part, especially in the South, everybody thinks they're a Christian. So evangelicalism, Christianity has become meaningless. Anybody can call themselves a Christian, whether they uh, believe in the Bible or don't. So, um, in the process, religion is lost. True religion and Christianity is a religion, by definition, it is a religion. Uh, this is this is the definition of religion: a specific, fundamental set of beliefs and practices generally agreed upon by a number of persons, and then those beliefs are practiced. So, in the purest form, Christianity is a religion. But it's the true religion. It's the real religion that God has ordained. One that follows Christ. I've already mentioned this, but if we don't hold the Sola Scriptura, charismatic chaos will thrive. And in a lot of places it is. The church of Christ that is to be organized according to the Bible will be lost and in its place will rise a church that is subservient to the winds of societal change. Anybody seen that around? It's everywhere. The gospel will no longer be rooted in and focused on the holiness, wrath, justice, and goodness of God and the attributes of God, but rather it becomes a tool by which we convert people to who knows what and then call it Christianity. There's a lot of that around. The concept of sin will be lost if we don't hold to this, and it has been. Depravity is forgotten. The fall becomes a story about victims. Everybody's a victim. Nobody's a sinner. Right? You remember in the garden, God did not accept any excuses. Adam blamed his wife and God. And God accepted neither one of those. God didn't say, you're right, it's not your fault. It was the devil that made you do it. And so, But we live in a society, in a culture that has separated itself from the Bible. And so we call everything that everybody does a sickness rather than a sin. And we don't deal with it according to the Bible. And as I mentioned, also the danger is the umbrella will be widened so much that everybody will be considered a Christian. And the word will become meaningless. 
and then discernment will die a slow and agonizing death. There'll be no more Bereans, no more people who seek and search if what the scriptures say is true and are the people in front of me teaching the truth. Well, it's one of the reasons that I was happy and excited that if we began a church, it would be a confessional church. Because again, our confession can be modified, but our confession points to the fact that, hey, what we believe is contained in the Bible. And the Word of God conforms us and gives us shape, gives our church what it looks like, our beliefs, and not the other way around. Truth of Scripture determines our faith and practice. It determines what we sing. It determines how we sing it. I mean, we've tried to take take time even to to discern the things that we sing. We want that to be correct. We don't just find songs that feel good and sound fun. We try to find the ones that sound good. And there's been times that we thought they were good, and we sang through them a few times, and like, God, that doesn't teach correctly. We've taken them out. And again, that's that's the beauty of. Sola Scriptura is that no matter how it makes everybody feel, if it's wrong according to the Bible, we're not going to do it. And we're going to change it and try to correct it. So, this idea that came to us from the Reformation was of most importance. The Scripture alone determines how we love each other, how we love our neighbors. It determines what our faith looks like, what our family should look like, what we preach, what we teach, how we live. Scripture alone. And that was what the Ref- the Reformation and the Reformers of the Reformation, that's what they were willing to die for. That's what many of them were burned for. Even the men who made sure everybody had a Bible. The men who translated the Bibles. People hated them and killed them. Why? Because they were putting Bibles in people's hands and it was taking authority away from the power structure. It was giving the individual person the opportunity to look at the scripture and say well I want to see if this is what the church has always taught or not it's important we're still Protestant we should be I still protest the Catholic church I still protest the Pope he's not my authority he is not a pontiff he is not a, a vicar he does not go between me and God I'm still in protest, and I will be till I die, because I believe in the one true church, according to Scripture, all the way back to the day that the Bible was completed for us. Now, that doesn't mean I, I don't go out in some kind of holy war and slash tires of people who I know are Catholic and so forth. That's not the point, but what I am saying is I want to be right because I want to pass that on to my children. I want my children to grow up and be confused about what is truth and where does it come from. I want them to know that we believe the Bible. It is the word of God. It is God's perfect revelation of himself. He promised he would preserve it. He has done so. It has went through valleys and hills and it has been tried to be stamped out. It has been burned. It has been taken away from people. We just read even still in certain parts of the world, people hate the Bible. And here's the thing. If you believe your religion is true, would you really be scared of other ones? I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid for you to read the Book of Mormon or, uh, or to read the Watchtower magazine. 
Because I believe if you're a child of God and you have the word of God to compare it to, you'll see the truth by, by the spirit of God. So I don't have to come to your house and get rummaged through your stuff and throw away stuff you don't need. I'm trusting God's big enough to do that by the spirit. He will convince you of the truth. I'm not going to go to the next one because I've already taken too much time. We'll just see what I can do next week. And hey, if the Lord allows, it will just go till we're done. Whatever that is. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we do stand upon it. We rejoice in it. We do accept it as truth without error. We know that when there's a problem, it's with us and our finite little minds. And we just pray that you'd give us wisdom and discernment. You'd always help us to interpret scripture with scripture, that we'd be willing to search and see what the Bible says and how it's taught and how it's been historically taught so that we don't get off track doesn't mean that everybody that's older than us was smarter or wiser, but uh, again, we trust that you, by your Spirit, have been able to put together men of God throughout the centuries who held to the truth and proclaimed it and didn't waver and get sidetracked by false belief in something new. And so again, we're not proving anything by being old-fashioned. We just want to stick to the truth and to what the church has always taught. So help us to do that. By your grace, um, help us to live the truth. Correct us always when we're wrong. Give us com conviction of our sin and repentance. Lord, may we always confess it and be brought back under your rule in our lives, the word of God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.